Hello, my name is Joe Murray, and welcome to 28 Days of Black History. Every day this month, my friends and I will travel back in time to bring you stories, events, and people that have shaped black culture to what it is. Some people you might have heard of, some of them you might not have, some of the events you might have heard of, and some of them might be new to you. So whether you know the stories or you're hearing them for the first time, sit back and relax as we take this time to remember on 28 Days of Black History. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Joe and I'll be speaking about Salem's Bloody Sunday of 1965. Nearly a hundred years after the Confederacy's guns fell silent, the sounds of slavery and reconstruction continued to echo loudly throughout Alabama. On March 7, 1965, 25-year-old activist John Lewis led over 600 marchers across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Salem, Alabama and faced brutal attacks by oncoming state troopers. Footage of the violence collectively shocked the nation and galvanized the fight against racial injustice. The passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, months earlier, had done little in some parts of the state to ensure African Americans of the basic rights to vote. But the Jim Crow laws had a tighter grip in Dallas County, Alabama, where African Americans made up more than half of the population, but only were accounted for 2% of registered voters. For months, the efforts of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee to register black voters in the county seat of Salem had come to a standstill. In January 1965, Martin Luther King Jr. came to the city and gave the backing of the Southern Christian Leadership Council to the cause. Peaceful demonstrations in Selma and surrounding committees resulted in the arrest of thousands, including King, who wrote to the New York Times, this is Selma. There are more Negroes in jail with me than there are on the voting roll. The rising racial tension finally bubbled over into bloodshed in the nearby town of Marion on February 18, 1965, when state troopers clubbed protesters and fatally shot 26-year-old Jimmy Lee Jackson, an African-American demonstrator trying to protect his mother while being struck by police. In response, civil rights leaders planned to take their cause directly to Alabama Governor George Wallace on a 54-mile march from Selma to the capital of Montgomery. Although Wallace ordered state troopers to use whatever measure necessary to prevent a march, approximately 600 voting rights advocates set out for the Brown Chapel A&M-E Church on Sunday, March 7th. King who had met with President Lyndon Johnson two days earlier to discuss voting rights legislation, remained back in Atlanta with his own congregation and planned to join the marchers en route the following day. By a flip of a coin, it was determined that Jose Williams would represent the SCLC at the head of the march along with Lewis, a SNCC chairman and future U.S. congressman of Georgia. As they began to cross the still arch bridge spanning the Alabama River, the marchers who gazed up could see the name of the Confederate general and reputed Grand Dragon of the Alabama Ku Klux Klan, Edmund Pettus, staring right back at them in the big block letters embolized across the bridge's crossbeam. Once Lewis and Williams reached the crest of the bridge, 
They saw trouble on the other side. They saw a wall of state troopers wearing helmets and slapping billy clubs in their hands stretched out across Route 80 at the base of the span. Behind them were deputies of the county sheriff, Jim Clark, someone horsebacks, and a dozen of white spectators waving Confederate flags and joyfully anticipating a showdown. Knowing a confrontation awaited, the marchers pressed on in a thin column down the bridge sidewalk until they stopped about 50 feet away from the authorities. It would be detrimental to your safety to continue this march, Major John Cloud called out. This is an unlawful assembly. You have to disperse, you are ordered to disperse. Go home or go to your church. This march will not continue. Mr. Majors, replied Williams, I would like to have a word. Can we have a word? I've got nothing further to say to you, Cloud answered. Williams and Lewis stood their ground at the front line. After a moment, the troopers with gas masks affixed to their faces and clubs at the ready advanced. They pushed back Lewis and Williams, then the troopers' pace quickened. They knocked the marchers to the ground. They struck them with sticks. Clouds of tear gas mixed with screams of terrified marchers and the cheers of reveling bystanders. Deputies on horsebacks charged ahead and chased the men gasping. Deputies on horsebacks charged ahead and chased. Ooh, I moved up too quickly. Deputies on horsebacks charged ahead and chased the gasping men, women, and children back over the bridge. Deputies on horseback charged ahead and chased the girl. Deputies on horseback charged ahead and chased the gasping men, women, and children back over the bridge as they swung clubs, whips, and rubber tubing wrapped in barbed wire. Although forced back, the protesters did not fight back. Lewis later testified in court that he was knocked to the ground and state troopers then hit him in the head with a nightstick. When Lewis shielded his head with his hand, the state trooper hit Lewis again as he tried to get up. Weeks later, King scolded Life magazine photographer Flip Schultz for trying to assist protesters knocked to the ground by authorities instead of snapping away. The world doesn't know what happened because you didn't photograph it, King told Schultz. This time, however, television cameras captured the entire assault and transformed the local protest into a national civil rights event. It took hours of film to be flown from Alabama to the television network's headquarters in New York. But when it aired that night, Americans were appalled at the sight and sound of Bloody Sunday. The connection wasn't lost in Selma either. When his store was finally empty of customers, one local shopkeeper confided to Washington Star's reporter Haynes Johnson about the city's institutional racism. Everybody knows it's going on, but they try to pretend they didn't see it. I saw Judgment at Nuremberg on The Late Show the other night, and I thought it fit right in. It's just like Selma. Outrage at Bloody Sunday swept the country. Sympathizers staged sit-ins, traffic blockage, and demonstrators in solitary with the voting right marchers. Some even traveled to Salem, where two days later King attempted another march, but to the dismay of demonstrators turned back when the troopers again blocked the highway of the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Finally, after a federal court order permitted the protest, 
The voting rights marchers left Selma on March 21st under the protection of federalized National Guard troops. Four days later, they reached Montgomery, with the crowds growing to 25,000 by the time they reached the Capitol steps. The event in Selma galvanized public opinion and mobilized Congress to pass the Voting Rights Act, which President Johnson signed into law in August 1965. Even though today, the bridge that serves as the backdrop to Bloody Sunday still bears the name of a white supremacist, it is now a symbolic civil rights landmark. Thank you for listening to 28 Days of Black History. If you guys would like to leave a comment, please follow us at The Joe Show on Facebook, at Reddit at The Joe Show, or check out our wonderful website at www.tjs.show. I'm Joe, your host. Join us tomorrow as we bring you another great episode on 28 Days of Black History. Goodbye for now.